This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. I've had the great fortune of studying with some world-class musicians and jazz musicians over the years. And I've learned so many lessons from these teachers that have not only impacted my jazz playing and the way I think about music, but the way I actually think about life. And here in the U.S. this week, we have a little holiday called Thanksgiving, Now, of course, this holiday is uh, much more about just eating food and getting together with family and friends, but the basis of the holiday is to remind yourself what you are grateful for and thankful for. And I am thankful for some of these amazing lessons from these teachers that I'm about to share with you, and I hope will have a positive impact on you as well. All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Welcome to another episode of the show. Thank you to all the regular listeners, and if this is your very first time listening, a very, very special welcome to you. Like I said, I'm going to be sharing five lessons from five of my jazz teachers that have really stuck with me over the years that I believe are uh, just real gems that I'm really excited to share with you. And I just know that there's going to be at least one of these that you take away with you uh, into your musical journey that is really going to have hopefully a profound impact on you. So uh, this is going to be a great uh, episode. I just want to say that before we get this episode started, of course, this episode is sponsored by my very own LJS Inner Circle membership. Uh, It is monthly jazz standard studies. It is access to all of my courses and practice programs, basics 101 courses, Q&As with me every single month, as well as a really awesome, vibrant community of like-minded musicians all learning together, all practicing together, and working towards the same goal of becoming a better jazz musician. So you can go ahead and sign up for that at ljsinnercircle.com. Join us as a member. We'd love to have you with us. And, you know, if you're actually listening to this episode the week that it's coming out, hey, we actually do have some really awesome Black Friday deals for both of our members and our non-members coming up, as well as a super, super incredible special announcement, which I'll probably cover a little bit more on the podcast next week. Uh, so if you're on my mailing list, you'll be receiving that. So uh, this is a great, great opportunity for non-members to become uh, Inner Circle members. And I have some really special goodies planned for uh, our members as well. All right, let's jump right into the episode. All right, so the very first teacher that I want to talk about that I learned a lot from was my very first jazz teacher ever 
named Justin Nielsen. Now, I interviewed him back on episode 100 of the podcast, which was a really fantastic interview. But Justin was really the guy that got me really hardcore into jazz. Like there was other times where I was into jazz. Like I started getting into jazz when I was in high school. The whole typical was in the high school jazz band sort of a situation. But Justin was the one that really uh, set me on the path to becoming a professional jazz musician later on in my life. And in high school, uh, my later years of high school is when I met Justin. And uh, Justin is just, first of all, a profoundly good, wonderful human being. So you can't help but just uh, feel positive and good energy, which is, of course, a lesson in and of itself, always spread good and positive energy around. But something that really struck me with Justin was the way that he approached every single time he sat at the piano, which is the instrument he played, and the attitude that he had towards it. Now, Justin is also a very profoundly spiritual being. Uh, very, uh, He's religious, but also more spiritual than just religious. And he always thought of playing his instrument as an act of worship to God. So when he sat down and played his piano, he gave it his 100% every single time. You could see this in his face. You could see it in the passion he would pour into that instrument every single time I ever saw him playing, even when he was just accompanying his own students, even when he was just teaching a lesson, you felt amazing energy the way he approached his instrument. So the lesson that I learned from Justin was play your instrument as if it was a sacred moment every single time, that there's something bigger going on when you're playing music. It's a gift to be able to play music. It's a privilege to be able to play music. And to get to spread the joy of music to others and to yourself is a real powerful experience. Therefore, we should never cheapen that experience by coming in and judging ourselves and our playing, by uh, having a bad attitude towards what we're doing, by feeling ungrateful for the musical achievements we have made. And, you know, this lesson would really serve me later on in my career when I, I started really becoming a very active gigging musician, gigging three, four, sometimes even five times a week. And while that's really awesome, it's a lot of fun to play that much music, sometimes you come to a gig with the wrong attitude. Sometimes you come to a gig feeling a little burnt out and you forget and you lose sight of what it really truly means to play music and how powerful it is. So that reminder to always give it your 100%, to always try to channel yourself into playing that instrument with passion in a meditative way, I think was really helpful for me And I think it's really something that we should all consider whenever we sit down at our sacred practice room to play music. Now, the second teacher that I want to share a lesson that I learned from is the great jazz guitarist Bruce Foreman. Now, Bruce Foreman is, again, someone I met at the end of high school at a workshop, had a privilege of being one of the only guitar players at this workshop, and I got to spend a lot of time with Bruce, and he really uh, was the first serious, like, big-time professional jazz musician that I'd ever really been in close contact with. And, you know, I learned a lot of things from Bruce, of course, just musically, like how to play, you know, a lot about jazz, a lot about jazz guitar, of course, since, you know, we're both guitar players. But one thing that I, I really struggled with, and I know a lot of my stru- students struggle with, too, was I, I knew where I wanted to be at in my playing. 
I listened to a lot of jazz, so I knew what it was all about. I I knew that I wanted to sound as good as the best musicians I was listening to. And I, in my head, I felt like I understood what I was trying to get to, but I just wasn't there. And I was constantly reaching to get there. In the process of doing that, you start getting very unhappy with your playing. I mean, it's just a natural thing. You want to be better than you are, and you want it really bad. And the badder you want it, the more disappointed you get when you're just not there yet. And the problem is, music is a journey. It's not something that you can just achieve uh, excellence at overnight. It really does take time. I mean, even if you're working on all the right things, you know, really efficient practicing, all the things that I really preach and try to help my students do, even if you do all the stuff the right way, you're still going to have to go through a process of time in order to achieve the results you want to. And that's just anything in life, right? Any kind of thing that you want to master or reach a high proficiency at, it just takes time, energy, effort, and sometimes just knocking on the door over and over again until it finally opens. And Bruce noticed that I was very unhappy, you know, years and years after, you know, having first met him, I went back to other workshops with him, I had other opportunities to study with him, and he noticed that I would just get very down about my playing. And one day he came up to me and he said, hey, Brent, I just want to tell you, just play from where you're at right now and be okay with it. Just play from where you're at right now and be okay with it. Now, he wasn't telling me not to try to be better or to, you know, accept that the level of playing I was at now is where I'm always going to be. Not at all. That's not at all what he was trying to say. But what he was trying to say is you can't enjoy playing this music if you're constantly trying to mentally play at a place that is outside of your abilities, right? You're always going to feel like it's just not good enough. And sometimes you can even improve more when you're feeling grateful for what you're able to achieve right now. When you're keeping track of the great progress you are making, not just looking at the finish line, quote unquote, and looking at that finish line and saying, I'm not there yet, therefore it's not good enough. You just have to enjoy the ride. So the big lesson that I learned from him is to play from where you're at, not where you want to be. Allow yourself that space to grow. Allow yourself to enjoy the journey, not just the destination that you're reaching for. Now, the third teacher that had a big impact on me was the great jazz bassist, John Patitucci. Now, I got the chance to uh, take a private lesson as well as be in one of his classes at my alma mater, the City College of New York, back when he was uh, an artist in, re- in residence over there. I was lucky to be attending that, that school uh, when he was there. And I took some great classes with him. And something that really, really struck me, John is a really profound character. He's just a passionate guy. He's obviously like a musical giant. Uh, Anyone who knows John Patitucci, his work, uh, you know, just as a solo artist, his work with Chick Corea, uh, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter. I mean, you, you know, he just is the best, right? He's incredible. So he had a larger than life personality, but... One thing that really stuck out to me was one morning, I think it was like seven o'clock in the morning or something like that. And, you know, we were taking a class in Harlem, New York, in New York City. And, you know, he's coming from uh, just a little like an hour or two upstate from from the, from uh, New York City. So he has to drive into New York City to teach this class. So in other words, he had to get up pretty early to do that. 
And what he was telling us as he walked into the class, he's like, hey, guys, I just want to say I was uh, in the office for about an hour before this class and I was learning this awesome Herbie Hancock solo. And, you know, and he went on to explain all the amazing things about this solo. And when he talked about this solo that he was learning at what it must have been six o'clock in the morning and, you know, he must have been up since four in the morning or something like that to be there, you know, it was with so much curiosity and so much joy and so much like just wanting to learn more right and you think about a guy like John Patitucci and you're like well what else do you need to learn like there's nothing else for you to learn like you're you're as good as it gets like how can you get any better than you are now but his attitude was that of always exploring always being in awe of great musicians that came before him great musicians that were his contemporaries like he always was excited about learning and playing and you know for me, when at that moment, at that time in, in my life, learning solos was something that, well, you need to do that to learn the language and you need to learn it better. So the fact that he's still learning the language and still trying to get better and understand what Herbie Hancock is doing, that to me was a massive, huge lesson. We always need to be curious. We always need to try to be reaching for learning more to open our minds to different kinds of musicians, to dig deep, to never feel like, well, I don't need to work on that because I've already done that. You know, John was always someone who would preach working on fundamentals, right? Just fundamental things. And a lot of my teachers always preach that. Things where it's like, well, I don't need to work on my scales anymore. But you do need to work on your scales from time to time. You do need to work on those things. And you can always approach even some of the most mundane tasks with this attitude of curiosity and excitement for what the music has to offer you. So that was a big lesson I learned from John is no matter where you're at, always approach music with curiosity, always get excited to learn more things, to look at things from a fresh new perspective. The fourth teacher that I want to share a lesson from is someone I had the opportunity of taking, you know, a good handful of private lessons from, also just going to his gigs all the time when I moved to New York and you know getting to the point where, you know, if he sees me, he he knows my name, you know, he's uh, he's familiar. In fact, I did interview this character on the podcast way in the early days, one of the first episodes, and that is jazz guitarist Peter Bernstein, who as a jazz guitarist is my all-time favorite uh, jazz musician. Uh, as far as that goes. And one thing that I really picked up from Peter, which you'll recognize is soaked into the way I teach music here on Learn Jazz Standards on this podcast and my courses, uh, and that is let the tunes teach you how to play. Let the tunes teach you how to play. I asked him in one lesson, well, what were you working on when you were my age or at my level, right? I was in college at the time when I asked him this question. What were you doing? Like, what were the things that like you were focusing your, your time on, right? As, as, as a budding musician myself, I wanted to know, like, I mean, how did this guy get to the, where he is now? How did he get so good? And his answer was that simple. Let the tunes teach you how to play. He said, I was just learning tunes all the time, learning new jazz standards, practicing them. You know, after I learned one, I learned another one and another one because each tune has a lesson in it and each tune has repeated lessons of ones that are in other jazz standards. So the more jazz standards you learn, the more it all starts to make sense. The more you start getting familiar with the isms of jazz, with the chord progressions in typical jazz harmony, 
the more that you are forced to figure out new avenues and solutions for your improvisation over different kinds of chords and chord changes. And there's so much to explore in jazz standards. So sometimes, yes, there's really great things we can practice for application, like melodic minor theory or chord scale theory in general, uh, or certain isms like working on guide tones and chord tones and all these things that are, of course, important to do. But at the end of the day, all the time, if we frame them in the music that we're actually trying to play and let the tunes teach us how to play, we're going to be on the right track. And that's why in my three pillars of jazz improvisation, jazz repertoire is one of them. And we can take that pillar of jazz repertoire and use everything under that vessel of a jazz standard, right? We can apply chord tones. We can apply guide tones. We can apply all the different ways we can try to conceptualize jazz language. We can learn licks. We can learn jazz solos over jazz standards, right? We want to do all that stuff and learn more tunes all the time because the more tunes we know, the more tunes we're familiar with, the easier, and I promise you when I say this, the easier jazz gets. So, Always let the tunes teach you how to play. That was my big takeaway from Peter Bernstein. Now, the last teacher I want to share a lesson from, it's actually less of a musical lesson and more of a life personal lesson, but I think it's a good one, so I'm happy to share it. This lesson comes from jazz guitarist Vic Juris, who unfortunately passed away uh, late last year. But Vic was someone who I studied with for a few years. I would take the train out from New York City uh, to New Jersey, where he lived, and uh, just spend an hour at his house every single week. And I really enjoyed my lessons with him. He was one of the uh, one of the best teachers I had in the sense that he really gave me a lot of really difficult material to work on and really pushed me in that way to be better. Now, I was so serious, way too serious about music back then. Um, you know, anytime you ever try to make something as your career, it gets always a little bit too serious. So I was just a passionate person. I really wanted to pay, play music at a high level. And, you know, one thing that he had me do a lot of was read music, lots of reading of music, because, you know, that was something that I did struggle with. Of course, I could read music, but he wanted me to be able to sight read very, very well, like anything that came at me, I could read it. So I wasn't very good at that. So I always struggled. And he always would tell me, he's like, Brent, your improvisation is like miles ahead. It's doing really like you're a great improviser, but you need to get your reading skills down. He'd always give me uh, a story about he gave me a story about you know when he was much younger and you know Michael Brecker needed a sub and so Michael Brecker called him and then he he didn't feel like he could get through the rehearsal sight reading he didn't he needed that music ahead of time and he wasn't going to get it ahead of time and you know he, he told a story of how he made up some excuse for why he couldn't do it and ever since that happened he like studied really hard and became a great reader. So, you know, Vic would always tell me these things. And so I was trying, I was trying to get better. Well, one lesson, uh, he had me sight reading a bunch of music. So I, we were going and sight reading a bunch of music and I kept messing up and I kept failing and I was just at a breaking point. And, you know, after the lesson was over, he did, he told me once again, he's like, Brent, you really need to get your reading chops together a little bit better than they are right now. And, you know, I, I was emotional. I got a little, a little, little teary eyed. I got uh, a little choked up about it. And when he saw that, he, you know, came over, gave me a big hug and he said, Hey man, everything's okay. You're doing great. You know, gave me all this comfort and, you know, he was a really solid, great human being. 
And he would drive me back to the train station after the lesson. So on the car ride back, I said, hey, Vic, I'm really sorry about getting emotional back there. I just, you know, uh, I've been trying really hard and I'll keep working on my reading. And he said, he turned over to me and he said, "Uh, Brent, something I don't want you ever to forget is never be ashamed for how you feel. Never be ashamed for how you feel. And that had a profound effect on me when he said that like don't ever be ashamed essentially he was saying don't you don't need to apologize for anything you felt the way you felt because of the way you felt and that's something I carry with me in my life all the time like don't be ashamed of how you feel it's okay to feel in fact being a musician being an artist that's where we get our stuff from we have to feel we have to be vulnerable we have to be okay with our emotions and outside of even just music that can really be a positive thing uh, for your mental health in the rest of your life and it has been for mine so that was my big takeaway from uh, my great late teacher uh, Vic Juris All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Hope that you found uh, one of these lessons that I've learned from my teachers uh, valuable. Something that you can just take away with you, a little nugget of wisdom to bring along with you in your musical journey or perhaps even into other aspects of your life. That's why I love doing this podcast. I just enjoy sharing information with other people, things that I think might help them get results. That's really what gets me uh, excited to do the work that I do as an online jazz educator. So if you ever consider becoming a LJS Inner Circle member, that's one of the best ways that I can help you grow in your musicianship. So remember to check out LJSInnerCircle.com and uh, see if that is going to be a good fit for you over there. All right, looking forward to another episode next week. As always, I'm here to help you grow, become a better jazz musician, and happy practicing, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.